So welcome, welcome to the Source Wichita. I know we have some visitors this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Jason, and I teach and lead here at the Source Wichita. And uh, you can find out more about us at thesourcewichita.com, and we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that fun stuff. Um, so this morning, I'm really excited. Uh, <clears throat> so in my prayer and my consideration for what I'm going to be teaching, um, I typically rely... <laughs> I obviously uh, completely, totally rely, rely on the Lord to show me what I'm to teach. And uh, it was interesting because I got up one morning and I was getting ready for work and I got what I, what I call the download. And it was just like, just this flood of information. And as I'm meditating and considering these things, um, the Lord just keeps hitting me with these statements and, and to the point to where I'm audibly by myself getting ready saying, wow. 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 Like, that's all I'm saying is wow as I'm standing in my room. So I had to pull out my phone and take notes and stuff. And so last night I went to kind of put the outline together and I told Kim it was crazy because I opened my Evernote and like the sermon was just there, like all the statements and all the scriptures and everything. And I was like, I don't remember doing that. I do remember it, but I don't fully remember it. Um, so it's just really amazing. Uh, this This sermon this morning stems from the sermon... Uh, last week, I believe, or the week before that, that we called insider trading. And so um, it may be beneficial to go back and listen to that sermon we talked about called insider trading. And this is Jesus in Revelation, and he is advising, he's counseling the church of Laodicea because they say they're rich, but then he says, you say you're rich, you think you're fully resourced is what that means, except you're poor, pitiable, wretched, blind, and naked. And that's like, whoa, Jesus. So we can have an image of ourself, and the Lord can look at us and say, actually, I see some things that need to be worked out. And so it takes a heart of humility to accept that. But then Jesus says, buy from me gold refined by fire. Buy from me white robes so that your nakedness may be hidden and your shame and your guilt will not be seen. Um, and then he says, um, salve for your eyes so that you can see. And we talk about this dynamic, this kingdom dynamic, this principle of... Uh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this principle that we can buy gold refined by fire from Jesus with next to nothing, that we can buy wholeness with our brokenness, that we can, we can buy peace of mind with anxiety, right? Because he says, cast your cares on the Lord, bring everything to him. And he's the one that transforms that with that kingdom principle. So we come with anger and he can give us peace, right? We can come lost and blind and sinful and he can make us whole and sinless, right? This is the kingdom dynamic. And so this, uh, this falls into that vein of giving something and receiving something. And so the sermon title this morning is it's called Strength and Weakness and talking about this trading, right, trading our sorrows, uh, we're trading, trading our shame, trading our guilt. This morning, we're trading our weakness for his strength. And so I want to start by reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. And I spoke a little bit about this in a sermon. I just touched on it real quick. And, uh, but I wanted to come back to it because this is really going to help me 
help us with this sermon topic this morning. So let's read Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 34. And what more shall I say? I do not ha- have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Hebrews chapter 11. This is what you may have heard it referred to as the hall of faith. So essentially, you read Hebrews, and you get this long list of names of people from the Bible, right? So if you're anything like me, when I grew up reading the Bible and hearing stories of the Bible, uh, you typically learn about the characters of the Bible, and they're always painted in these amazing li- this amazing light. Like there's these awesome people of God who did these amazing things, and Thinking back on that when I was younger, I always thought like these people were perfect. Like, whoa, they made it into the Bible. You know, can you believe that? Can you imagine? What if you made it in the Bible? No, I'm too, I'm too sinful. I'm too broken. I can never make it into the Bible. <laughs> and that this is, I just had this like childlike attitude, like King David, he killed Goliath with a stone to the forehead, you know, and then he chopped his head off. <laughs> but you, you think about these different people in the Bible, and we just like, we venerate them, right? But if you really, if you really look at it, the Bible's filled with characters who had crazy flaws. They were flawed individuals. I mean, you think about King David, it's amazing that he's a, it's, it's said of him that he was a man after God's own heart, except he murdered Bathsheba's husband, right? He committed adultery, he he, he sinned against God. He sinned against the, the throne that he gave him over Israel. Um, he did, I mean, there were multiple times where David failed. It's amazing to look at his life and realize all of the failure, but it was still counted to him as righteousness, right? God still saw him as a man after his own heart. And so Hebrews 11, you get this long list of people, and it's all of the amazing things that they did. And so if you just look at this, at this list, it says, Who through faith they conquered kingdoms. That's huge. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions like, whoa, that's crazy. They quenched the fury of the flames. Like We're talking about maybe like Daniel and, and, or excuse me, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're in, the, they're in the furnace, and they're in the fire, and they're not dying. Like, these supernatural things that have happened because of their faith. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of this long list of things, you get this really interesting statement that says, whose weakness was turned to strength. So, typically, when I consider people who are, who are doing it for the Lord... And we think of people who have great faith, and we think of people who've done these amazing things in the kingdom. Maybe they're pastoring a megachurch, or they're feeding thousands of homeless people, or they're ending hunger in Africa, and they're doing these things. And you're like, wow, that's huge. That the Lord, or even the the writer of the Bible, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, would throw in this line, this line, if your weakness was turned to strength, you're worthy to be listed among these people who've done these amazing feats. By faith, having your weakness turned to strength, that is worthy of that long list of amazing things that have been done. I don't know about you, but that kind of blows my mind just a little bit. 
Because I think we all have, we all see ourselves through a certain lens. And oftentimes we don't see ourselves through a lens that uh, is good. A lot of us are self-deprecating, right? We, we beat ourselves up. We speak poorly of ourselves. Well, I'm just this and I'm just that. And so earlier as we were worshiping, and uh, I just kind of hit my knees and I was, I was praying and I'm saying, Lord, I, w- I want your heart for your people this morning. And, uh, and it was just like, as I began to pray, I, I, I said the statement, Lord, I pray that you're, you're the heart of a shepherd, like you being the good shepherd, your shepherd's heart would flow forth this morning. And so if you know anything about shepherds, you know, shepherds would care for the sheep. And it's not just that a shepherd would be over a flock of sheep and treat the flock like a group. There were times where the flock was treated like a group. But if you know anything about shepherds and what they did, so Jesus said, I'm the gate. And so in order to get into the sheepfold, you have to enter through the gate. And so typically if there was an area blocked off where uh, the shepherd would keep a sheep overnight, the shepherd would lay down and sleep in the middle of the gate so that if anything, a ravenous, a wolf or some sort of animal, whatever, a thief tried to come in and enter and get to the flock, they would have to go through the shepherd first. He was their first line of defense. And so the shepherd had a staff and the shepherd had a rod. And we typically think of the rod as this thing that is, um, is the rod of correction and is a rod of correction. But as the shepherd would count the sheep as they would come through the fold, because they would keep track of the flock, Jesus said the shepherd that had, uh, you know, 99 and, and left one, or had one that left, so, or 100, he left the 99 to find the one. I can do math. Right. So they would, 99 plus one is 100. Gold star for Jason. So, so the shepherd would have a rod, and as the sheep would come into the sheep pen, he would inspect each sheep. He would inspect each one with the rod, and he would use it to kind of push through the wool, and he would look behind their ears. When, when um, David says, you're my shepherd, I shall not want, he talks about anointing his head with oil. Where she, well, sheep used to get like these bugs, like mites or lice that would get into their ears and would bite them and would annoy them. And so the shepherd would put oil on the ears of the lambs so that these bugs couldn't stick and then irritate and bug <laughs> the lambs, the sheep. And so it's interesting to me that there's, there was an inspection by the shepherd of each one of the lambs. And it was a careful inspection. And, they would, and then the shepherd would respond in response to the needs of the sheep individually. Right? So here's, as I was praying, I was praying that I would communicate the heart of the shepherd Jesus for his for his children and so here's what you need to know that even though you're in a group of people here listening watching right now that the Lord sees each and one every one of your needs individually he knows exactly what you need he knows exactly what you need to hear and because these are his words, he's going to make them fall where they need to fall and make them mean what they need to mean. Because there's been times where I've, I've given sermons and someone said, well, you said this and it was really good. And I'm like, man, I didn't say that. Because <laughs> the Lord transformed it. There was a metamorphosis of his word that happened from my mouth to their ears and their heart. And it was really amazing. 
And so I say all of that to take it back to the statement that I just I made a little while ago about how we tend to see ourselves through a certain lens, and sometimes it's not a very good lens. And we see all of our flaws. We see every part of us that is wrong. And if you're married or you have children, or you are in any kind of relationship whatsoever with someone in your close, at some point in time, those flaws are going to come to surface, and people are going to see those things and make you aware of them. And it's not that they might blatantly be saying, hey, you're X, Y, or Z, but it's that you realize how people respond to you because of the way that you're coming across or the way that you are. And so having a wife and being intimate with her, being close to her and knowing her and her knowing me, being in that relationship, she sees what I would call all of my ugly. When I'm, when I'm angry, when I'm um, bitter, when I have a, a bad attitude, when I've come home from work or whatever it is, you know, something needs to be done, I get a bad attitude. And so I already know that I have a bad attitude, but then when there's somebody there that my bad attitude is affecting and I see it affecting them and then they communicate that it's affecting them, that, that hatred for that part of myself multiplies. So when, you'd start, so when you think one way about yourself and then the people around you start to confirm that, even though that's not what they're trying to do, it multiplies. So then like the hatred and the disdain and the, the, the shame and the guilt that we have inside us for the things that we know are flaws, it begins to multiply. And then we get into this place where we start to condemn ourselves and we listen to the voice of the enemy who tells us we're terrible and we're worthless and we're tearing down the people around us and nobody's going to love us and people are going to leave us and you're worth leaving and you're not worth anything and you should, you're not worthy of love. I mean, you, do you hear these things sometimes? So the Lord knows that this is, these are things that we're going through. And let me just tell you that Scripture says that the, uh, the trials that we're facing are not uncommon to man. Satan wants, us to make us, Satan wants to make us think that we're the only ones that are enduring the trials that we're enduring. He wants to make us think that we're the only one that are hearing these ad- adversary voices in our head. Well, you're crazy. Nobody else thinks like that. Nobody else thinks that, self about th- that way about themselves. And so f- the Father knows the attack that comes upon you. And he knows the way that you see yourself. And so I want to make this statement. Um, and I think it made it, I made it later, but the statement is that... Let me find it. <laughs> well, I lost it. Oh, and let me get a drink of coffee. So let me say this. I'll back up. Okay, I found the statement. And it wasn't written down, it was my spirit. That we need to stop seeing our flaws as a weakness, and we need to see our flaws as an opportunity for the Lord to do his work in us. That's the statement that needed to come out. So let me, let me give you this next, this next um, fill in the blank, and that's going to help us move forward where I'm trying to go with this, is that weakness produces, produces dependency. <clears throat> so two weeks ago when we talked about 
this Revelation 3 text, and Jesus is addressing this group of people, this church in Laodicea, and he's saying, for you have said, I am rich. And that word rich doesn't necessarily mean wealth in the way that we think wealth. Like I have a, I just have a ton of money and, you know, it's, I, I'm like, um, is it Scrooge McDuck? Who like, do you remember DuckTales at the very beginning? He's like swimming in gold coins. You know, that, <laughs> that's not DuckTales, right? Is that what that's called? Um, it's, not, it's not like we're just swimming in money. This word rich actually means fully resourced. It means to be fully resourced. And so Jesus is addressing these people, and he's saying, look, you're saying you're fully resourced, except you're not. And then after that, he says, look, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anybody lets me in, I'll come in and I'll dine with him. And it's because Jesus is saying that he is our resource. He is, where, he is our source, and he is where we are fully resourced. And so what happens is we get into these places in our life where we get away from Jesus being the source, and that's what the name of our, this whole thing is, the source, Wichita. Wichita is where we are, but the source is Christ. And we want to always point people back to the source. Jesus is saying, look, you think you're fully resourced, yet you've not come to me to be fully resourced. That means you've been living independently of me, but we need to have dependence upon God. And so weakness produces dependency, and so these people who are in this hall of faith and their names are lift, uh, listed out, it's because they depended on God for all things. They had to have faith and not look at themselves to be able to fix these areas in themselves. Right? Because what do we try and do? We try and get better. And this is what, this is what kind of a mainstream theme is if we read books there's a lot of self-help books it's you know be a better you and be your best you and and you can do better and you know people are on the radio saying well just do better today you know do better be better do better pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and get rolling and there's something to be said about self-motivation but there's also something to be said about self-dependency and self-reliance because in the kingdom we can't be self-reliant we have to rely on Christ for all things. And so our flaws in our life where we're weak, let's say I'm, I need to be kind to my wife, but I've not been able to have the strength to be kind because I'm so upset all the time or I'm so bitter. So then I begin to see myself as just this terrible guy. And then I think you're so, I, I tell myself things like, you're so stupid, you're so dumb. Why can't you change? You'll never change. You're terrible. You don't have the power to change. It's like, I should listen to Satan when he says that because, yes, I don't have the power to change. The spirit in me has the power to change me. So it's this principle of trading our weakness for his strength and that weakness produces dependency. And that's the best thing that can happen for us is for us to experience something in our life that points us back to God. This is why in James chapter 1 it says that we should, um, we should consider every trial with joy. We should have joy in every trial because that trial produces perseverance. Number two produces endurance, faithfulness, and hope. And that our hope is not disappointed. And so even if it's not a circumstance, you know, the, I believe the Lord's saying we need to look inward today and we need to look at all those areas where we've spoken so poorly of ourselves. Rachel spoke a sermon about the words that we speak. 
And she spoke it in the context of the words we speak over others. But there are things that we think about ourselves. As a man thinketh, so he is. And so essentially the things that we're thinking are the things that we're speaking and believing. And then we'll even confirm it to others. Man, I just, you know, I just feel like I'm never going to this, that, or the other. And we just spoke that. You know, I had a conversation last night or yesterday with a girl who was saying that um, there was somebody who was talking about dying at a certain age. You know, her, some guy she knew, the guy's dad, I believe, or something like that. I don't want to, I want to generalize it. So there was a person that was speaking about another individual who used to always say that they were, they didn't think they were going to live till 50. And they would say, you need to prepare because I'm not going to live past 50. And they died before they were 50. I had a friend, God bless him. Um, he used to always tell me in our early 20s, and when we were out there running around being, being stupid, he used to say, man, I don't think I'm going to make it past 30. And he died when he was 27. So it's just one of those things where does that happen to everybody? Well, I don't know. But has it happened? And do the words that we speak have power over our situation? Yes. And so I think that Jesus is realizing, or he's not realizing, excuse me, he wants us to realize the thought processes that are going in our hearts and our minds. He's saying, look, I, I want to shepherd you in that regard. And I want to counsel you in that regard because we've got to get some of that in line. And it's not this like works-based mentality. It's that the Lord wants to bring healing to those places. And so weakness produces dependency. We have to be dependent on God for all things. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 9. It says, concerning this, I think I've stood up or sat down long enough. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. So real quick, Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking about how he had this thorn in his flesh. Um, and actually, before that, he says, like a tormentor sent by Satan <laughs> became the thorn in his flesh, and he began to plead with the Lord to take it away. So he said, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Is weakness a flaw? Weakness is an opportunity. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So let me make this statement. That weakness is the prerequisite for Christ's power in us. Does everybody know what a prerequisite is? How many people went to, maybe, you don't have to raise your hand about going to college, but some of us, <laughs> some of us went to, to college or trade school or whatever it was. But when you, when you go in to take classes, you might not be able to take like a 202 class without taking a 101 class. Or they're saying, well, you need to take this prerequisite to get into these higher level classes. That means that one thing has to happen before the next thing that can happen, the next thing to happen, excuse me. And so in order for Christ's power to be made manifest in us, for Christ's power to come and to sort all that junk out, to deal with all the insecurity, to deal with all the shame, the guilt, the bitterness, the anger, the lust problem, the drinking problem, the drug problem, the addiction problem, the, the self-reliance problem, the living in independence from God problem, 
that is a weakness. In order for God's power, Jesus' power, to, Christ's power to come in and deal with that, we have to realize that the weakness is an opportunity. It's a prerequisite. Weakness is a prerequisite for Christ's power in us. And so I believe the Lord is saying, I want to change the way that you're thinking about the weaknesses that you're seeing in yourself. It's the prerequisite. So let me make a couple of statements that are maybe going to help nail this home. We're weak so that Christ's power can be made manifest in us. If you remember this story that Jesus, or excuse me, the story in the Gospels of Jesus and the Pharisees asked him, who sinned, this man's mother or father, so that he would be blind? And so it was believed that the sins of, of generation were passed down through generation and generation. And so that if I sinned as a dad, well, then that sin would then stick and then continue in, um, in my children. And so the Pharisees were asking, here's a man that's blind, so who sinned, his mom or dad or whatever it was, um, or him, that would make him blind? And Jesus said, neither that this man was blind so that the power of God may be manifest in his life. So that when he receives sight, it's all glory to God. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus came and he performed miracles, um, there were times where he, he wasn't present when a miracle happened, but the majority of the time he was there, and there were times where he would pray, and he would say, Father, so that you're glorified in heaven, here's what I'm going to do, and then he would heal somebody. And he would give all the glory to the Father, and then he would, he would heal somebody. So he, the blind would see, the dead would raise, the deaf would heal, uh, hear, excuse me, the deaf would hear. And you see all these areas of weakness in, in the human, these diseases that so easily take over us. You know, we're so susceptible to disease. There are things that we can't even, I mean, like if a virus gets going, it's, we can do things to protect ourselves from a virus, but it depends on how bad it is and if our immune system has ever dealt with something like it before, whether or not we're actually going to get it. And there's some viruses that they're just so contagious, everybody gets them, and it's either just through the air, or like through a sneeze or through touch or whatever it may be. And we're so susceptible to these things, and that's because of, it, like, let's just say sickness because of a weakened immune system or whatever it is. It's just the, the human body is susceptible to these things. And as Christians, we're so, and, and humans, we're so susceptible to giving in to the weaknesses. We're so susceptible to giving in to the sin um, that, is, is, that comes against us, that tempts us in our environment. And we're weak. We're weak. We're, people are blind. They're broken. They, they have sicknesses. People are addicts. They're lost. They're hopeless. There's mental illness. I mean, there's all sorts of things. I can't remember the, the statistic, but I think it's like 30% of uh, the suicide rate has gone up like 30% like in the last 10 years in Wichita alone. So there are people who are thinking that life is hopeless 
They're doubting themselves. They're coming to a point of no return, and then they commit suicide. And that mentality and that thought process is increasing in our city. It's crazy. We're so susceptible to that kind of thing. But then here comes Jesus, and he says, look, it's so that the power of God might be manifest in your life, that you're enduring these weaknesses, these sicknesses, these diseases, right? This problem is so that the power of God might be manifest in you. So Paul gets it. Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Not I'm strong, then I'm strong. And how many of us try and work so hard to gain strength? How hard do we work? How much time and energy, how much much of our day, how much of our thought life is dedicated to thinking about how we can do better, be better, act better, seem better, grow better? Man, I think about that stuff all the time. I remember um, I was... I was semi-quasi-dating a, a girl. And um, obviously before I was married, right? And, uh, and I, I, had, I had such a religious mindset, and, and I want to define that. That religious mindset was, if I could just, then I'll be happy. If I could just, then I'll really look like a man of God. If I could just set out 30 minutes every single morning and read my Bible and pray, then I'll feel like I'm in a good place with the Lord. And it was so works-based. Instead of just accepting and realizing my identity in Christ as a child and receiving that and living in freedom, I was trying to work my way to righteousness. I was trying to work my way to looking good in the eyes of men. And I remember talking to this girl, and I was just telling her, like, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and I used to say this. I used to say, you know, there's, there's just a better version of myself that I want to become. And so I was always looking to that better version of myself. And so, of course, nothing I ever did was good enough to attain that. And then I remember a couple years ago, I preached a sermon. And the main statement of the sermon was this. That there's no future version of yourself that is more worthy of the love of God than who you are right now. So there's no future, there's not some like, Oh, Jason, who this, that, and the other, and X, Y, Z, and just, like, who, what do I think I'm going to look like when I'm, like, good enough in my own eyes? I've worked so hard in the past to try and make myself strong to be strong. When Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's so backwards. The kingdom of God is like, bloop, like, just, we call it the upside-down kingdom, the poor or rich. You know, the blind can see, or the blind are made to see. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are, the, you know, those who are persecuted. What? You know what I mean? It's like so backwards. And we have to, we have to maybe in some way, shape, or form grasp that principle so that we can start to see things through a different lens. And again, I believe that's what the Lord wants to do with us this morning. Say, say that, Our weakness is not a flaw. Our weakness is an opportunity. Our weakness is opportunity for strength in Him. Our weakness is opportunity for dependency upon the God who has all things and can do all things. Right? The one who can make the weak strong. Well, I'm weak. Well, good. Trade your weakness for my strength. I can't tell you, man. There's 
Like, I, I wish I had more. Well, let me just let me just give you this example. There are times where I get really riled up just in my soul and my flesh, and I get so angry, and my thoughts start going a million miles an hour, and it's almost like, you know, it's harder to stop a car that's going faster. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it takes a lot longer to, to slow down a car that's going faster. And I feel like I'm going 120 miles an hour sometimes, and I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna ha- it's going to take me a little while to get over this. But that's the way that I function. That's not the way that the Spirit functions in me. That's what happens when I depend on myself to try and work through this weakness in myself. It takes longer. There's more damage along the way. You know, I can get into an argument with my wife, and then tensions can flare, and I can get so worked up, and, and then I can, I can let that last for days. You know, we'll get, let's say we have an argument on a Monday. It's like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Thursday we're like, are we okay? Well, what just happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Well, I was still, I'm probably really focused on whatever was going on with her and I. She's probably feeling rejected by me. She's probably feeling like a terrible wife, like, gosh, I really made him mad this time. He's So they're like four, three or four days worth of damage versus in a moment. And let me just tell you, this can happen in a moment. It happens to me. Sometimes I go for a walk uh, around the building at my job. I just have to get up, and it's like, okay, i got to go take a walk. And I often find myself on that walk telling God my thoughts in my heart, and I'm just saying, look, God, I'm just, man, I'm having a hard time with this right now. God, I need your strength in this moment. And I know that your strength is what I need, and I know that your spirit is what I need. I need your peace in me right now. I need your gentleness. I need your patience. I need your kindness. I need your love, your mercy to flow through me. Like right now I need it because otherwise this thing isn't going to get resolved. And there are times where instantaneously he'll just, he'll shift my attitude. He'll shift my heart. And it's because I'm, I'm saying you're my source. If I'm trying to just like figure this thing out on my own, oftentimes I come up short. But there are times where I can, and I call, I love this phrase, I shift my source. I'm shifting my source, right? Let's say you needed to fill up a, um, let's say you need to fill up a pool in your backyard. Let's just say it's like 20,000 gallons. And on the back of your house, you have a spigot and a water hose or faucet, right? So you're like, well, we're just going to go ahead and fill this pull up, and we'll see how long it takes. And you turn that water hose on. How long is it going to take to fill up that pool? A long time, right? I mean, just get the image, right? Just a little water hose, 20,000 gallons. But then let's say you got a buddy who works in the fire department, and you have a fire hydrant at the corner, and you're like, hey, man, <laughs> I know you'll probably get fired for this, but can you help me fill my pull up? And he's like, yeah, I'll help you out. And then how much longer would it take then, or how much quicker would it be than if you connected a fire hose and tried to fill up your pool? Probably seconds. I don't know how, how much, what the pressure of that thing is, but it's like drinking from a, a fire hydrant and then f- drinking from a faucet. And so your source of water is greater from the fire hydrant than it is from the faucet. And so at the time where you switch hoses, you're switching sources, you have a much more powerful, sustainable force. 
in your life in that moment. And so think about that. When we try and source from self, we always come up short. But when we switch our source and source from Christ, we have the ultimate source of power in our life to rise up out of our weakness and have strength in Christ. But we have to, in our mind, shift our source. So maybe you need to write that down. Shift your source. So our weakness is the opportunity for strength in him. Weakness is an opportunity for power to manifest in our lives. And so I have this question. What if we took pleasure in our weaknesses? How, what, what does that even mean? Like, how can we take pleasure in weakness? This is that kingdom dynamic. This is what, this is what the Lord is, is, is trying to get us to, to shift our thinking about. Because he's seeing and he's knowing that we speak so poorly of ourselves oftentimes when we see all of our weaknesses and all of our flaws. And we think we're terrible because we have weaknesses and flaws. Except he's saying, you're the prime prospect for my power in your life. That because we're weak, he can make us strong. I mean, Paul says, I'm going to delight in my weakness. We're like, well, it's easy for you to say, like you started all these churches and evangelized all these people and took all these beatings and did all these things. And What's that? Right, yeah. Oh, you got it easy, Paul. Man, that guy learned a lot through suffering and persecution, I can tell you that much. He sure did. And so, yeah, how, do we, how could we do this? Look, uh, 2 Corinthians 12.10. So I take pleasure in weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So what he's saying is that I'm, I'm but a broken vessel. And anytime I endure anything in my life that looks as though it's inconvenient or it's going to be hurtful or painful or it's, it's, it's going to cause me a disruption, it's, gonna, it, it's going to shake up the complacency of my life and my comforts. He's saying, look, I'm going to take pleasure in that because that's where Christ is made manifest. Christ is made manifest among the poor. How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom? Christ came to seek and save the lost. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to be a doctor to the sick, not to those who are well. Jesus entered to a, into a broken world, not a perfect world. Jesus entered into an earth that was, is under the curse of the fall to bring life and life abundant. Jesus entered into a people who were destined for death because of sin, and he entered to that place where he could bring life. Uh, scripture says, uh, I think it's in Isaiah 42, maybe it's 43. It says, for he makes rivers in the what? The wasteland. He makes streams in the what? Desert. Where there's no water, no life, he brings water and life. He takes dry bones. How dead are these bones? Oh, they're dead. Speak to them. Prophesy to them the word of the Lord. And speak to the spirit and the wind and tell it to come. And then the dead bones... Death, emptiness, nothingness, 
begins to come to life and sinews and, and, and muscles and joints begin to grow. And then there are these life forms. And then he says, prophesy to the, to the breath of God and tell it to enter into these bones and give life. <laughs> Jesus brings light to darkness. He brings life to death. He gives sight to blind. He gives power to weakness. This is the kingdom dynamic. The spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth and there was darkness. And he said, let there be light. He takes all that is dark, all that is broken, all that is lost, all that is hopeless, all that is flawed, and all that is weak. And that's where his power is manifest the greatest. And so we can stand in front of God and we can say, man, I'm, Lord, I'm weak. Maybe I'm not loving how I'm supposed to love, but we don't stop there and condemn ourselves and then live in shame and guilt because we're not loving the way we're supposed to love. We depend on God and say, look, I don't know how to completely love. I need you to show me how to completely love. And so by faith, your spirit in me, God, this is your opportunity to manifest your power in my life in this context right now. And let me just tell you, he will. We will if he believes he will, if we believe he will. We bring all of our brokenness, we bring all of our weakness to him and we say, fill that void. I kept, I didn't put it in my notes, but I kept thinking about cisterns. So if you know what a cistern is, the way they used to, I mean, it's essentially a vessel. But people had homes and most of the time their homes were made out of like, brick and mud and clay and that kind of stuff. And what they would do is they would capture rainwater. It's kind of like a well under their house in their basement. So they would dig these cisterns out of under their home, like this just big open areas. Um, and they would put like clay and mud and stuff so it would harden and then the water would flow in from the rain and they would take that, that water and filter it, boil or whatever, and that's how they would drink water. If there was no empty vessel to capture the water, they'd capture no water. If we don't realize the opportunity of our weakness, we'll never bring that empty vessel to the Father to fill it. And so there's a big sermon about pride in there as well. I can do it on my own. I can figure it out on my own. I can become strong on my own. And we just need to realize that we bring that. If you think about, um, I think it was the story of Elijah or Elisha. I always get these mixed up. And it was the woman who had ran out of food or whatever, and, and, and she needed uh, oil um, to, to live and to feed her kids, right? And so the prophet told her, go to your neighbors and borrow um, jars. And so she went and borrowed all these jars, and then Elijah took the oil and he began to fill the jars and supernaturally the oil kept flowing as there were empty jars and when the emptiness ran out the oil ran out and my my buddy Casey he put it this way he said God is only limited by the amount of emptiness we bring him ooh woo so if we are weak That's the best situation we can be in to receive the power of God in our life. It's mind-boggling. We think so poorly of ourselves. 
I this, I that, I don't, I can't, I won't. And we look at all these areas where, where we have void and we think that that void is our identity. And the Father's saying, look, just bring that empty vessel to me and I'll fill it. You're empty so I can fill you. You're weak so I can make you strong. You were blind so that I can make you see. You, you were deaf so that I can make you hear. You were dead in your trespasses so that I could make you alive in Christ. Isn't that so good? So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. I've often said, who are we to judge a circumstance as good or bad when Scripture says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose? What if we, like James, rejoiced in our trials? You can name it a trial, that's fine. But oftentimes we we see things as such terrible things instead of seeing them as opportunity for the Lord to do his work in us. If we're not fully trusting the Lord, it may be that in the Lord's grace, he brings us a circumstance that builds our trust. It may be that if he's trying to perfect his love in us, so that we can fully understand his love, he may put people around us who are seemingly unlovable or hard to love. You see what I'm getting at? It's a beautiful thing. I want to lead us just in a time of prayer. Um, Ivan, can you play some beetle deedle deedle in the background? Dan, can you unmute um, Ivan? No. Sorry. Are you guys good? Did that? Did the Lord go, shing? Insert knife and... I just, I I feel like I said everything as, as best as I knew how to say it and as best as the Spirit led me to say it. Here's what doesn't need to happen. We don't need to to leave this place um, and go back to thinking the way we've thought. We don't need to leave and continue to see our ourselves through the lens that we've seen ourselves, at seeing our weakness as a flaw and carrying that around and allowing it to condemn us and make us feel worthless and hopeless. Um, I call this part of, of our time together functional ministry. Uh, and something being functional means it's, it's created and designed with the purpose of accomplishing a task and not being attractive. It's an interesting... Something to be functional doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be attractive. Um, and so sometimes we wonder like how things are going to sound or how they're going to look or what people are going to think. You know, am I going to look good or am I going to look weird or is it going to be weird or am I going to sound weird? Like functional ministry has nothing to do with the way it looks. It has everything to do with what it accomplishes. Um, and so during this time, I'm going to pray for you and we're just going to let Ivan play. And I want you right here, right now to just focus on the Father and maybe just ask the Spirit to show you those areas that you've seen your weakness as a flaw and maybe show you the way that you've been thinking about yourself 
and just reveal to you that the, the flawed mentality that you've maybe had and the way that you've condemned yourself, the way that you've heaped guilt and shame on your own life and you've spoken, you've thought this death over yourself and then submit that to Jesus because he wants to, sh- he wants to, to, to change our thinking and he wants us to shift our focus to him. And so we can bring those things to him now. Scripture says that we can boldly approach the throne and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And so some of us may have lots of need in this moment. So I just want to give you opportunity here and now to do some some business with the Lord, and that's going to look like and sound like and be like what it needs to be for you and the Lord, because he is your shepherd, and he cares about you individually. And he'll take that rod, and he'll look around, and he'll put oil where there's necessary. He'll, he'll give drink of still water. He'll give a meal of green grass to those who need it. He says, I make you lie down. He'll give us rest where we need rest. He's the good shepherd we shall not want. And so I'm just going to pray. We're going to move into this, this little time of whatever it is, focusing on the Lord, and then I'll come back and we'll end out the service. So, Father, I thank you that our weakness is a benefit because our emptiness is an opportunity for you to come and fill us. Our weakness is opportunity for your strength and your power to be made manifest in my life so that maybe I'm a person and and I struggle with anger all the time and, and people say, man, that Jason guy is angry all the time. Well, my weakness is an opportunity for you to come and and give me joy and so that when your power of joy is manifest in my life, people will say, look at that joyful guy. Jason, isn't God good? And so, Father, I pray for just transformation, God. Uh, the, the word that is used in Romans when it says be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it means be metamorphosized. It means that it was having one shape and form, and it now has a new shape and form that is nothing like the old way, God. So I pray that you would transform minds transform our thinking, God. Shift our sourcing and our spirit. Let us hook into that fire hose, God, and stop drinking from a puny little water hose. So, Father, I just pray during this time, Lord, you, you, you touch who you need to touch. You speak to the people you need to speak to, God, and I pray that they would bring you all of their emptiness, God. They would just come broken and empty, And God, that you would do a new work and fill them and fill them to overflowing, Father God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll give you some time to connect with the Father.